Welcome, friends and church leaders. This is the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, where we provide support for church and ministry leaders. Today, we want to answer the question, what do some of the most effective churches do to get their people moving? I'm your host, Becky Holton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Carrie Holton, and we really want to thank you for joining us today. Yes, we do. As you said, we're going to start a brand new four-part series today. It's entitled, Best Practices of Effective Churches. Ooh, I like that title. Yeah, baby. I don't, I guess I don't know of a single church leader who would not be interested in learning about some of the best practices of effective churches. I agree. But I guess we really ought to qualify that even more. We'll be talking about some of the best practices of the most effective churches that were surveyed by a pair of church leaders from a suburb outside of Chicago. That's right. One of the resources we've recommended in the past, and in fact, we still recommend it, is a is a 2011 book written by Greg Hawkins and Collie Parkinson. Both were ministers of the Willow Creek Church outside of Chicago when they wrote this book, and the book is entitled Move, What 1,000 Churches Reveal About Spiritual Growth. Yes, those two people were curious about how people grew spiritually, the steps they took to grow spiritually, how they came to explore Christ, then how they grew in Christ, then how they became close to Christ, and then how they became Christ-centered, fully mature in Christ. Yes, and they were looking for the chief catalysts of spiritual growth. And to measure how people grow spiritually, they created the Reveal Spiritual Life Survey. And over a four-year period, which is pretty long, they surveyed 1,007 churches, churches that represented many denominations, and also they varied in size. And good grief, they surveyed over a quarter of a million congregants, 250,000 people. That's an extensive survey, isn't it? It is. And in their survey, they tried to identify the most effective churches at fostering spiritual growth. They identified the top 5% of the churches surveyed, and then they identified the top 25 churches from that number to identify the best practices of those top 25 churches. Right. And by the way, listeners, we're not going to go into the criteria they use to measure the effectiveness of those top 25 churches, or I might get a nosebleed if we did that. But I'll just say that they had a very scientific way of taking those measurements. And any of you want to know how they measure these churches, just get your hands on their book where they are going to explain it all in detail and the criteria they use to identify those best practice churches. Right. So Hawkins and Parkinson identified four best practices of those 25 top churches. And those four best practices are what we want to discuss in this four-part series. So, honey, what is the first best practice of these churches? Right. The first best practice that they measured and listed is that they get people moving. The most effective churches they identified clearly communicate a pathway or next steps that launches newcomers on a spiritual journey, a pathway that is strongly endorsed and supported by the church leadership. Now, the pathways framework varies church to church, but they're 
was always a pathway, and the expectation that all congregates will experience and follow this pathway was unmistakable and unavoidable. Okay. Now, to be clear, when we say they get people moving, we aren't talking about getting apathetic, lethargic church members to become more enthused about the work of the church, right? And it, and it doesn't involve uh, whips and clubs, right? Right. And it <laughs> doesn't involve, you know, misting caffeine in the auditorium or Red Bull in the communion either. <laughs> we are talking about churches who do a really good job of moving people from one level of spiritual growth to another. And churches that are effective at helping people become more like Jesus, of moving through the process of exploring Christ to growing in Christ, to close to Christ, to Christ-centered. And we are talking primarily about churches that get newcomers moving, right? Right. Okay. Right. And these highly effective churches get people moving by providing, it's a big old challenge, and it's non-negotiable path of first steps to engage people in a process of spiritual growth. It's a process that will ultimately lead them to becoming mature followers of Jesus Christ, and I love that. Good, yes. Well, the authors of the survey state that, to be clear, this practice is not about providing a comprehensive, detailed spiritual roadmap that guides someone who is exploring Christ to becoming Christ-centered. Instead, this is the spiritual equivalent of jump-starting a car, an action that charges up the multiple parts of an automobile's engine so that it can get itself moving. That's what this practice is all about, jump-starting movement. These churches have recognized that one of the biggest obstacles to spiritual growth is overcoming inertia in order to take those first steps to just get moving. Right. And and I think here's something that I believe our listeners will find interesting, and it has to do with church programs and activities. Based on the findings from the most effective churches, adding a lot of programs is not the way to get people moving. I mean, they discovered that a lot of programs and encouraging newcomers to get involved in a lot of programs it actually is not the best route for people who are new to a church. Isn't that interesting? Very. And it is particularly unsuitable, all these programs, for people who are taking their first steps to just explore the Christian faith. I think that's very interesting. All those programs just scare the bejeebers out of them. I, I guess, guess so. Yeah. Well, well, those analysts on the survey, they found that instead of offering a ministry buffet, with multiple tempting choices of activities and studies, these churches make one singular pathway, a virtual prerequisite for membership and for full engagement with the church. Well, Hunt, share more about what their reasoning was behind what some listeners may see as a big paradigm shift. Okay, well, they discover that in their experience, spiritual growth is not driven or determined by activities. It's defined by a growing relationship with Christ. Hello, I think you need to repeat that statement (laughs) again. That was really good. Well, they discovered that spiritual growth is not driven or determined by activities. It is defined by a growing relationship with Christ. So the goal is not to launch people into an assortment of ministry activities. It is to launch them on a quest to embrace Christ 
and surrender their lives to Jesus. Okay, very good. So let's get to some practical advice. Let's talk about how do these most effective churches get people moving if it's not through a truckload of programs? Sure, let's do. Hawkins and Parkinson identified three strategies in those highly effective churches, three strategies for getting people moving. And here's the first one. They make the destination clear. So think about this. A person is baptized or informs someone that he wants to be a member of the church. What is the next step? Put them in a program. No. (laughs) (laughs) These highly effective churches get him or her into an introductory class of some kind or invite him or her to an introductory meeting. And we'll call this a jumpstart meeting or class. And what's interesting is that in these highly effective churches, people leave these jumpstart experiences crystal clear about two things. First, they know that the church's top priority is to do everything within its power to help them grow into devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. And second, they know how the church defines what it means to be a disciple. You know, I also think this may be a paradigm shift for many churches too, because I know of many churches who have introductory classes or meetings for new members. But what may be unique about these effective churches that were studied is that in the very first meeting of that class or orientation meeting, church leaders make it clear to new members what is the church's agenda for them or their destination, I guess you could call it, and that is to know Christ and surrender their lives to him. It's not to assimilate them into a variety of church activities. And this may sound a little harsh, but, you know, prodding congregants to plug into multiple church activities may too soon suggest to them that the end goal is the activities themselves rather than knowing Christ. Well, I think that's a very good point. And we've said this before, but we can say it again. What if our churches stated the church's mission to new members right up front, right out of the gate? And what if they essentially made a promise to those new members that went something like this? If you come alongside us, we will do our very best with your cooperation to help you grow into a fully devoted follower of Jesus. For we see it as our mission to make and grow followers of Jesus, and to help you develop a close relationship with your God. Just imagine what that might mean to people who heard that message. Absolutely. You know, I think it would inspire them and give them a clear way forward. So let's sum up what we've said so far. Effective churches make this destination clear. They say, this church exists to help you become a fully devoted follower of Jesus, right? Right. So let's move on to the second strategy, and here it is. These effective churches, they make the spiritual jumpstart non-negotiable. It's just what you do if you stay. For example, one church strongly encourages, well, actually even expects newcomers to choose one of two pathways, and both pathways start at the newcomer's reception and introductory class. Then congregates go into either a new believer's foundational process or into a series of purpose-driven classes. Yeah. Here's another church. They urge newcomers to sign up for a series of three spiritual development classes 
that start with a two-hour class required for new members, a class that's offered, by the way, 10 times a year. Yet another church in this book offers an 8 to 10 week new member track that focuses on building a foundation of biblical literacy and engagement. Whatever the class or program, virtually all of these very effective churches offer some version of a spiritual jumpstart for newcomers. And as we've said, they make participation virtually non-negotiable. This is what we do here. That's right. That's right. That's amazing to me. Well, well, it is. But but I guess, you know, maybe it's a bit of a stretch to say that they are non-negotiable since churches aren't really in a position True. to require or enforce mandatory attendance on newcomers. But based on the resources and the prominence given to these efforts, the message is clear that these first steps are considered essential building blocks for spiritual growth, as important to those who are new to church as the basics of reading and math are to first graders. You know, I can see how this conflicts with nat- the natural tendency to leave newcomers alone. Mm-hmm. We, we all kind of have that one. We just want to let them become familiar with the church on their own terms because we have a little fear we might scare them away. Right. However, all of the findings that we discovered from the Reveal survey show that what newcomers really want, listeners, is challenge and clear spiritual guidance. They do not want anonymity, and they do not want spiritual mush and fluff. They just don't. Good point. That's something to write down, I think. That's good. They want to be challenged. People are looking for something that they can plant themselves in, not something that makes them feel good. And as you said, they want clear spiritual guidance. Make I, it clear. Absolutely. I Well, we could go on for a long time with this one, but I, I believe that our, actually our fear of running them away may be more our fear of talking to people about Jesus, mm-hmm. honestly. But anyway, let's move on. Let's hear strategy three. You want to share that one? Sure. Uh, the third strategy for getting people moving in these highly effective churches is that they make the minister the champion. Okay. Why don't you share a little bit more about that? The champion of what? Well, they make their minister the champion of this process. They make him an active participant and, in fact, a leader in this process. He's the one who pushes and promotes this jumpstart process. So this means that the minister is the one who teaches the classes or at least teaches the first session. You know, one of the most significant roles that the minister can fill in a church is as a vision caster. Right. And we've talked about that. In fact, we believe that's a role that cannot be passed to anyone else. The minister's role is to spell out the vision of leading a life surrendered to Christ and to model how to navigate the demands of daily life on a follower of Jesus. That's right. So so what we're saying here is that newcomers need to hear a clear explanation of the vision of the church and its discipleship agenda sooner rather than later, and that the minister is the one who should verbalize this vision. Right. Newcomers need to hear this message from the minister who tends to be the, you know, the point person for this jumpstart introductory class. 
But but let me raise a possible objection. Must to, you? Uh huh. To all that we have said, <laughs> you know that I do. I think I can hear what some churches may be thinking. They may be thinking, well, if we make it clear at the very outset that we're here to help people become you know, fully devoted followers of Jesus and that we want them to follow a prescribed pathway to jumpstart them in this process, we're going to scare them away. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that objection? Well, that's a, that's a good objection. It is. That's legitimate. I think we need to remember that a church's objective or mission is to make and grow followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Numbers are not the real objective. The objective is to challenge our congregations to help people grow in a relationship with Christ. This is why it's so important for the minister or whoever champions this process to be able to look newcomers in the eye and make this invitation clear, something like this. If you want to become a a follower of Jesus, then you are welcome here, and we can help you. But if that really is not your intention and not your desire, then maybe you should probably look elsewhere. Right. I mean, we may not have what you want here. And I think that's another big paradigm shift for church leaders as well. You know, what you will be doing, I suppose, is separating those who really want to become a follower of Jesus or who are searching for Jesus or spiritual meeting from those who are just not so single-minded who are not too dedicated, who may be there for the free stuff. Who knows? Right, exactly. Well, hon, maybe we should leave it at that. Best practice churches get their people moving by making the destination clear, by making participation in the jumpstart process non-negotiable, and by making their minister the champion or the key leader of this effort. I'm really eager to discuss best practice number two next week. I am too. And we want to thank you, friends, for listening to the Effective Church Leaders podcast, where we take common difficulties in church leadership and help you work through them. And until next time, God bless you, friends. 